the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Man, alive. We got a lot going on. And today, I just want to give you a pep talk. In fact, I I am uh, recording this a little bit early today, if you're listening live, because I have some things I have to do. So it's maybe a little bit less um, focused exactly on what's happening. But let me give you a pep talk. Let me give you a pep talk on the reality of what's happening and then we're probably going to do a best of show probably do some of the great interviews in the last 10 days that we have so but first of all it's ed martin here on the pro america report go to pro report.com pro report.com and sign up there to get our daily email what you need to know the wink as well as to see all the great speeches and things that are going on so um i had another event over at the rnc today and here's the problem i'm going to tell you about the american people we have a broken system we have a corrupted system that is putting our nation in peril it is uh, really dangerous because the system has been so corrupted uh, by the far left and we have to figure out what to do about it and i think a lot of americans are upset and they're fearful but they don't know what to do and so i'm here to tell you what you need to do first of all don't give up don't give up hope don't give up your efforts don't give up on anything because here's the reality america is so special because at our founding we pivoted to this extraordinary focus on uh, our coming together as being tied to who each of us is as a human being. It's really, it's the first Christian nation that was not founded as a theocracy, meaning every man, woman, and child has dignity in our life, in our American life, because of our founding, our values, Judeo-Christian, and our Constitution. Now, that doesn't mean it has been perfect, by the way. Uh, For those that want to yell, oh, slavery, or Native American, uh, whatever, or women, uh, look, we always can improve, but the framework, and we should, but the framework is extraordinary and historic and groundbreaking and divinely inspired and all the rest. Which is why in America we have more opportunity, more success, more uh, uh, fulfillment than other places. Not because we're different than them. We're, We're people. People are people in God's image. But because of the way we came together and the values we have in the Constitution, it's a spectacular thing. Don't be discouraged by America. Don't be discouraged by what's happened. Don't be discouraged by anybody who tells you things are bad. This is unbelievably good and wonderful and exciting. The fact is, what we really have to be focused on is that we are a people who have a system that we have to periodically fight through because it doesn't quite work right. So let me shock you here. Abraham Lincoln was needed in America because he he forced us through a problem about how to define ourselves as a nation. It was an extraordinarily challenging time. There were lots of reasons for it, but he was required to give us that opportunity. Donald Trump has been brought to us and has given us an opportunity 
to push our way through a series of corruptions that are second only to uh, maybe the fall of Rome. You know, one is the the use of the government against the new president, which is what the Obama administration and then the uh, uh, the uh, Mueller investigation and the Russia hoax did. That was a really that wasn't just an attempted coup. That was a coup. It almost worked. I guess it was attempted. It didn't work. But the fact is that we, the people, know that our system is great and Donald Trump has been brought forward to fight us through that corruption. It's probably corruption caused by the centralization of power in the swamp. That's probably the best reason to think about it. The swamp got too powerful. Remember Suzanne Collins's book, The Hunger Games? I remember the movie so vividly when the people traveled from the states out in the hinterland to the capital and the capital was gleaming with food and shiny and gold and the states were struggling. The D.C. capital, the capital of America, has become so big and powerful that a lot of the corruption is because of that, I think. But the fact is that we also need to understand that there's other corruptions. And as Donald Trump has drained that swamp, we now see in this election probably the ultimate effort to corrupt our Constitution in pursuit of power. Because... The Democrats have engineered a set of circumstances and a set of systems that are taking our country to the brink because our Constitution was meant to defend us from uh, tyranny, from corruption, because we had the rule of law, we had the Constitution, we had the Supreme Court, we had a balance of power, etc., etc. And suddenly we find ourselves with a system that's being administered by partisans in a way that is corrupt. And they're trying to steal the election. And the corruption is so endemic and so profound that it is a threat to the country. It's a threat to the nation. Because if we lose this battle for the country and for the election, you run the risk of diminishing the Constitution, corrupting it so much that you can't go forward. Because what we have across the country because of mail-in balloting is people that are dead voted, people that don't live there voted, people that uh, voted twice, voted in the wrong place, in the wrong districts. They're counting votes. They're probably just plain fraudulent votes. But the system has been corrupted so profoundly that we cannot allow this to stand. And happily, when we see corruption, we have united ourselves together to fight it. When we see imperfection, we've decided, we've united together to fight it. World wars, uh, you know, the uh, depression, the, uh, the, the corruption of the deep state. Um, pick a topic. You know, even the coronavirus. At our best, we're united together to fight it. But right now, we're watching the left and the Democrat Party together, the far left and the Democrat Party, aided by the media, and, and assisted dramatically by big tech, trying to take away our Constitution. We are not America if this is how we're run. We are not America if we allow ourselves to be corrupted in this way. So it is a really, really important moment, and and it, it feels like, it feels like a key moment in the history of the country. I'm optimistic about it because, again, I think that the founding values will, will, will have their way out and the Constitution will hold us. But it's a major question. 
It's a major question that we have to do. We have to get together, fight through it, and be strong because if corruption takes our Constitution down, we have lost what holds one of the things that holds us together. Other nations, when you steal an election, they, they uh, elections rise and fall. You know that's not it's not dramatic in other parts of the world. Many parts, by the way, in, in the European Union and other places, they ban mail-in ballots because they know corruption is so endemic. So the simple fact is, we have to fight. What's at stake is much bigger than just an election or one president. It's actually whether we give in, and and frankly, it's over, because if big tech and the media, along with the left, Decide who's president from now on? That's not really America. That's not really America. And the the reality is that we've got a big fight in these coming weeks. And the primary thing you have to resist is being disillusioned, being beaten down by the media, who just says, oh, let's just get on with it. Let's just get on with it. This is too much complaining. No, no. This is a major moment. Step up. Don't be a, 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 a summer soldier or a, 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 be, a, be a patriot. This is our time to rise up and do what Americans do, which is be equal to the challenge. Be equal to the challenge. And, uh, and remember, when I started to quote those lines to you, the, the famous lines the, uh, from the American crisis, uh, it was, uh, again, uh, uh, Thomas Paine is famous for two, two things, common sense, uh, but the other one is the American crisis. And um, it is an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary work. If you haven't read it, it's, uh, it, is really, um, it is really worth reading. He, he does an incredible job of articulating uh, what's happening at that moment in American life. Uh, and it really is, uh, it was pretty exciting to, uh, to, to, to read that and to understand the context because that's kind of the moment we're in. That's kind of the moment we're in. We're kind of in a moment where um, the people are going to need to understand what's at stake and understand what they need to do and, um, and step up into it and step up into it. The... Um, let me see if I can find one of those quotes, the famous quotes the, uh, that uh, were in there, the beginning of it, the, uh, of the, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink, shrink from the service of his country, but he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. That's it right there. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. I'll be back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you soon. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. There's nobody better than my next guest to ask exactly what the heck is going on and what happens next. David Horowitz is the best-selling author of Blitz, Trump Will Smash the Left and Win, FrontPageMag.com, of course, is one of his uh, many ways you get out his material. He's the founder of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. David Horowitz, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm pretty good. Well, this was entirely predictable. The Democrat Party is a mafia organization stuffing ballot boxes, uh, conducting elections fraud is in their genes. I mean, let's not forget um, that Sam John Kiner, the head of the Chicago mob, stuffed the ballot boxes in Cook County to give John F. Kennedy the election in 1960. And uh, Nixon didn't protest. 
um, at the time, but (laughs) that's what happened. Uh, The Democrats have, you know, one of their crusades is to prevent voter ID and any uh, reforms that would uh, strengthen the integrity of our elections. And then this whole mail fraud, when you send out 10 million um, ballots, which we're not going to have signatures on them, to registered voters, uh, you open a Pandora's box of fraud possibilities. First of all, people who moved. Second of all, people who died. Third of all, old folks. And I have to say, mentally handicapped folks who live in, in homes, they just go by mm-hmm. and uh, you know take truckloads of these ballots and then fill them in. And I know this personally. I had a family member who had a, a swimming accident when he was a kid and had a mentality of a four-year-old. <laughs> But he announced he had voted for Obama. Right. <laughs> and we all, we asked him, how, how why did you vote for Obama? Because the home he was in, which had a lot of retarded people in it, um, they told them all that they got their meals and their home thanks to Obama. And then they put them in, uh, you know, carloads of them, took them to the polling places. And of course, this is in California, so you can imagine anyway the people lining the poll allowed the keepers to go into the booth, the voting booths with them because they said they were handicapped people when they actually were well I guess a politically correct term is mentally challenged. So you have to you know, think of all the people who have to think that election fraud is okay to do that and these are ordinary people but they're democrats so um mm-hmm. anyway so we, we it, it was foreseen i guess it, trump people couldn't do anything about it that's too bad well it, w- w- so whether, they, whether they did or didn't yeah people have to understand look the democrats i think they spent a billion six just on biden but they must have spent another half billion on congressional races they're, right. they, they are a mafia. They're, you know, they, they actually they work like the communists. I mean, they are very vindictive. So to punish Lindsey Graham for standing up when they were crucifying uh, Kavanaugh on the basis of that liar, Christine Blasey Ford, her, test, her obviously false, false testimony, because he stood up for her, they raised $100 million to beat him and failed. Susan Collins, who obviously is, is not as strong a conservative as I am or you are, um, right. but she, I thought she was heroic in the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, yep, at the yep. end, she made a very <clears throat> eloquent defense, defense of voting to confirm him. So, so to punish her, they raised another $100 million and lost. And then, because Mitch McConnell is a match for Nancy Pelosi, they raised a hundred million dollars to defeat him and failed. And they're going to lose like twenty seats in the House. They didn't take the Senate. And yeah. Trump, you know, has gotten and his his ballots, you know, are legitimate. 
he's got the support right now of about 69 million Americans, which is 10 million more than Obama got. So the, right. the patriotic movement is here to stay. The patriotic movement can't be looked on anymore as a, you know, a fringe group of yahoos supporting Trump. This is a, you know, this is half the country and it's America. And uh, if they steal this election from Trump, as, as, well, it looks really possible, unfortunately. He's going to lead us over the next four years. I mean, he won't be able to do as much good as he could from the White House. Right. But he will be right. mobilizing and organizing <clears throat> conservative America. And the thing that, you know, I, I probably can appreciate this more than most people, because when I came into the right... 30 or 40 years ago. I mean, the first thing I looked around and said, where's the ground army? Um, of course, Phyllis Schlafly had a ground army, but where, right. where was it among the Republican Party? And, um, you know, I, I guess Operation Rescue was kind of a little army, but it was nothing like the left had. The left, you know, they, when they held demonstrations, there were hundreds of thousands, and now, you know, they even have millions. And Trump has organized the ground army for the first time in my lifetime. And, and Trump has adopted the appropriate language. You know, when they commit fraud, you call it fraud. Um, he, he, he is, you know, he, he's a leader who, uh, in the phrase of the 60s, tells it like it is. Most conservatives and Republicans try to avoid harsh words and, and avoid, um, you know, they skirt the horrific issues. You have the yeah. Democrats call Republicans racists, xenophobes, you know, white supremacists, <clears throat> bigots, and, and our uh, Republican legislators say, oh, they're just playing politics. I think I said this before on this show. That's not yeah. playing. That's not playing. That's war. Right. That's trying to kill you. And so you got to strike back. They're the racists, and people should be pointing it out. They're gangsters. We're, we're talking with David Horowitz. David, I want to ask you, you know, I've been helping in the last couple of days. It's a growing. It looks bigger than the Tea Party to me or different. As you say, it's organized around a leader now, not a not a bunch of ideas. And the phrase I've been using, a lot of us using stop the steal, you know, and here's the thing I want to ask you about. It's a time where if you're a Republican elected official and you won't get out and recognize what the moment is, I think you, I think you have to uh, you know write those people off. In other words, at this point, Donald Trump's four years gave more opportunity for Republicans. He raised hundreds of millions of dollars under his name for Republicans. He then had his coattails that carried a bunch of them into office, and and I, I don't see any you know any notable uh, uh, volume of Republican elected officials leading the fight. To stop well, the steal. I think you have to. I think you have to call them out. Look, the Republican Party is a party in transition, and it will mm -hmm. it will change over time. There'll get be new blood, but yeah, look at all the Republicans who are you know shaking their fingers at Trump for saying this is a fraud, fraudulent election and they're stealing it by fraud when all the votes that put Biden over the top were delivered in the middle of the night. After right. uh, the, the election was done. 
So, you know, it's like they're trying to be polite. Don't be polite. Right. Yeah. Um, the, just, yeah, they, exactly. They again, man. I mean, uh, you have Juan Williams, obviously, on the other side. But still, talking about Biden's grace. <clears throat> Biden, you know, in addition to being a political whore and a dementia case, is a thug. I mean, you know, he accused Trump of killing all the coronavirus patients. How low is that? You can't get lower right. than that, I don't think. Um, right. Right. So, but we have to be, we, I think we should be patient somewhat, but we should call out those Republicans. Right now, where where is the congressional leadership? Why aren't they saying things? Why are well, they and I was, uh, yeah, David, yeah. I was over at the RNC building today in D.C. I had a, a rally, about, probably about 85 uh, patriots showed up and 50 press. And I looked at the cameras and I said, you know, behind me is a building where the, the men and women that go to the RNC and the NRCC, they made money and got votes off of Donald Trump. And now they're silent. And the idea that they're going to be silent. And here's another thing, David. If somebody thinks they're going to run for president in 2024, who's not out in the streets fighting right now, forget about it. I mean, just forget the, the, the base of this party, Republican Party. Is yeah, not going party, to forget. Who, who, correct. The party has changed. You are the voice of the change here. That that is that is yeah. right. Um, you know, the nor- until Trump came along, it was the norm. Nobody. What Republican called the Democrat a racist? When you know they control all these inner cities, they're always attacking white people. There no, you know, everybody's afraid to defend white people. Why? Uh, We've got to start talking reality and not and matching them in in our toughness. I mean, they say that uh, I was just looking. You know, this is an attack on democracy. That's the Democrat line. No, it isn't. It's a defense of democracy against the Democrat Party, which is an anti-democracy party. You just have to be as tough as they are. It's really, it's really not that difficult. People just take a page from their playbook. Don't become mm-hmm. like them, but take a page from their playbook. All right, David Horowitz, I got to go. David Horowitz, the best-selling author of Blitz, Trump will smash the left and win, and uh, dozens of other books. Thanks, David, for your time. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we got a lot more to cover. If you heard David Horowitz, he said you got to fight back. you got to fight back. Everybody's got to understand, if you want to be nice, the time for being nice is about 20 years ago, and it's time to uh, understand that they're trying to steal the election, steal the country, and we got to fight back. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here with uh, our friend Hans von Spakovsky. Over at the, he's at the Heritage Foundation. He has himself been uh, involved in elections uh, for many years. Constitutional attorney, served on the FEC, also Federal Election Commission, although that has less to do with running elections than it does in monitoring some of the uh, the sort of uh, transactions within it and what happens. But So first of all, welcome, Hans, to the program. And you must be almost reeling from the number of issues and questions and things that are going on these days. 
Yeah, I've never quite seen as chaotic uh, an election and problems in multiple states as we've seen this one. I mean, everybody talks about the 2000 election, but there uh, the the problems were in just one state. And here we have multiple states with potential issues. Yeah, it is extraordinary. First, Hans, can I ask you, because uh, in your role as a policymaker in elections, the FEC, and then as a, a professor type, you know, you write about a lot of things. But when you sat there and watched the election and the coverage, you know, it's almost like we keep we keep almost doing worse in how we can function than you'd ever expect in terms of confusing and calling states and uh, and how it's perceived. I, I mean, it just feels like the election night coverage and the election night, the role of that. It just was um, it was really terrible. Yeah, it, it was. And in particular, it's amazing how bad the polling has gotten. Look, four years ago. All the pollsters got the election wrong, and and the chief reason for that was that they constantly oversampled Democrats in right. their polling. You would have thought from there, from that, they would have learned that lesson, but apparently they didn't because they clearly did it again in the in the latest uh, polling for this election. Yeah, it is. All right. So now where are we, Hans? You know, when people say to me that there's lots of how are the how exactly is there going to be challenges? I try to pull back and say it simply, you know, there'll be legal challenges. Does this count? Does it comport with the law? There'll be broader challenges. They may still be in courts, but it's not like does this set a balance count? It'll be more like was this done in a way that was unfair to one group or the other, you know, but when you come down to it, Hans, how's you can comment on any of those aspects of it, but how does it work when you have three or four states that are on the fly the rules seem to be either changing or in flux and the rest of the country's looking up going are these people really going to decide based on sort of looks like whim and all the effort that we went through to vote in our state is going to sort of feel like uh, less valuable i mean it really is is sort of tearing the system a bit well look i i agree with that and you know what what has caused kind of chaos and confusion uh, we're seeing is basically two things. One, it was by the push by uh, Democrats and their allies in the progressive movement to change the rules governing elections using the courts to do it. And in particular, changing the rules governing um, absentee ballots. Uh, that is the real problem because we have states, key states like North Carolina and Pennsylvania, where, as you know, uh, uh, they're, they're still working days after the election to count it, where uh, uh, basically Democratic officials, Democratic judges, overrode state laws set by the legislature to extend uh, the deadlines for the receipt of absentee ballots until after the election and to make other changes um, that caused not only chaos and confusion, but frankly made it easier for fraud and other problems to occur. The, the other big issue we've had is uh, election officials in places like Philadelphia, Detroit, right. and elsewhere defying state law, violating state law by not allowing uh, uh, qualified poll watchers and observers for the GOP into polling places and, most importantly, into the area where they're counting absentee ballots. And that is a real problem too. 
So, um, Hans, how do you get from uh, some of these, what I would say, are local fights? <clears throat> you know, how does Philadelphia count its ballots? Is that fair to a county, you know, to a voter in Pittsburgh, to a, a federal fight? Is it is it going to be a, a state-to-state comparison that someone's going to say, you know, they're doing things so irregularly in Pennsylvania, that's damaging us? I mean, how, how do, what, what's the sort of, what can you see, in ter- what could we see in terms of the legal fights? Well, it is a, a it is a state by state battle, and and to put right. it in stark perspective, um, look if if you can't through litigation overturn, uh, let, let's assume for just a second the results are bad for, for uh, Donald Trump in states like uh, Nevada and Arizona, uh, Georgia or North Carolina, um, right? You know he needs all of those states uh, in order to win. If uh, if you can't overturn the results through litigation in any one of those states, um, then basically, you know, he, he's done. I mean, there's not much you can do about it. Uh, if if four states that he needs come out and they're just fine, uh, and he, but he does find problems in just one state, uh, even if he wins the legal battle, he still isn't going to have enough votes to win. So that makes this very difficult and is one of the reasons why they've They've had to hire so many lawyers because they've got to potentially overturn the results in uh, multiple states. And uh, and so and Hans, what's the um, what's the likelihood that when people say this could end up at the Supreme Court, what are the kind U.S. Supreme Court? What are the kinds of issues that could end up there? I think the major issues you would find uh, would be probably in North Carolina and Pennsylvania. Uh, and what could end up in the Supreme Court, again, is the fact that, look, in Pennsylvania, the state Supreme Court changed the rules governing absentee ballots. In North Carolina, it was the state board of elections that basically overrode state law and changed the rules for absentee ballots, extending the deadline, for example, for more than a week after the election. And what the, what the uh, Trump administration would argue is that, uh, look, under the Constitution, State legislatures specifically are given the power to um, figure out the rules for federal elections in their states, not state governments in general, but the state legislatures. And so their argument would be that while the state legislatures in both of those states, uh, they could have changed the rules for absentee ballots, instead of deadline, et cetera, but other officials in the state government, like the Board of Elections, like uh, state judges, They didn't have the authority to do that, and therefore, any and all absentee ballots received after Election Day in violation of the state law that was on the books should not be counted. Right. Uh, What's your bet right now on whether whether we're going to see a U.S. Supreme Court involvement? If you had to put I know it's a weird thing and it's not not scientific, but is your sense that this is headed that way? Well, look, it depends on whether the number of ballots, for example, received in Pennsylvania after the statutory deadline uh, would make a difference in the outcome. In, in other words, right. um, let's, let's, let's say that the differential is, is 100,000 votes. Let's say Donald Trump loses by 100,000 votes. But the number of absentee ballots that came in after Election Day were only 40,000. Well, even if right. even if he won the Supreme Court and got those forty thousand thrown out, he still loses by sixty thousand, and so they may decide it's just not worth pursuing it. 
Right. Is um and uh, that's what that's that's right. Um, now, how about recounts? Have you been involved in recounts? They're going to have a recount in Wisconsin of the whole state. They say it could take six weeks. Um, you know, what is that? How does that impact the electoral college? Where you know is this is this sort of one of those nightmare scenarios? Yeah, you you can't certify the results of an election until a recount has been completed, but. Again, that's that's a long shot, and the reason is this. If you look at recounts uh, throughout history, including recent years, um, recounts tend to, at the most, they may change a couple of hundred votes. And if right. the differential if the differential is 10,000 votes, 20,000 votes, there's just, it's almost impossible that a recount is going to change that many votes. Yeah, uh, but it, but but you'd have to you you would have to allow it to go forward, right? I mean, yeah, I could could, could right. you, you, the, the de- if, if if President Trump says I want to recount, I lost by less than one percent in Wisconsin, and they say uh, okay, go forward. Democrats sue and say no, don't it'll imperil our chance to be in electoral college. They're going to let them do a recount, even if they I, I, right. I mean, they're not going to say yeah the, the likelihood. I mean, if it was a hundred and fifty thousand votes, and it was you know some for some reason you were allowed to request it if it was more than one percent if you paid for it or something you could say no no the constitution requires that we move ahead with the electoral college but i mean that puts you in a situation where in theory wisconsin's racing to count by the december 8th or december 14th date to get their people seated for the electoral college no that that's right and uh if uh in most in a lot of the states wisconsin is one there's an automatic recount. I think if it's uh, if the margin is is one percent or, or less, and so they 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 have to do it in Wisconsin, uh, even if they don't want to do it, and they'll have to do it mm-hmm. in a hurry so that yeah they can certify the results of the election in time for the electoral college meeting to vote in the state capitol at the beginning of December. Well, Hans von Spakowski, I think Heritage Foundation should just set up a live feed in front of your home, like, and you go from your bed to your to your desk or the table, and just let people ask questions. Say, you know, ask Hans anything, and you could just you could grow a beard, and it could be like a real cult following. A Hans von Spakowski at Heritage Foundation, very valuable on elections, the Constitution. Thanks very much, Hans. Sure, thanks for having me. All right, we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now continuing that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. If I were to take you to Phyllis Schlafly's office today, I could show you all kinds of treasures. You would see Ronald Reagan's tie, a letter from Margaret Thatcher, and the Republican Party platform signed by Donald Trump. Amid all this glitz and glamour, it would be very easy to miss a small chunk of concrete and a snippet of barbed wire hanging beside Phyllis's desk in an unassuming wooden frame. You would never know that such a small ornament is actually a symbol of one of the greatest stories of good overcoming evil that mankind has ever known. It was once a part of the infamous Berlin Wall. 31 years ago today, the Berlin Wall fell in Germany, testifying to the power of freedom to overcome tyranny. In the aftermath of World War II, the entire nation of Germany was cut in two. The western half was controlled by the United States, France, and Great Britain. The eastern half was controlled by the communist Soviets. 
Faced with the tyranny of Soviet rule, millions fled from East Germany to West. By the time the Berlin Wall went up in 1961, 20% of the entire population of East Germany had left. Imagine a wall like that being built in your city. Suddenly, those living just a few blocks away were in an entirely different country. Family members that were once close by might as well have been on a different planet. That was what communists did to keep their power. They claimed that they were trying to protect East Germany from the West, but no one was fooled. All you had to do was look which direction the guns were pointing to see that the wall was about oppressing those who were under communist rule. 31 years later today, a piece of that oppression hangs in Phyllis Schlafly's office. She kept it there as a constant reminder that freedom is something worth fighting for. When patriots are willing to take a stand, good can overcome evil. Thankfully, citizens of this great nation do not live under communism today. But the fight for freedom rages on. America is counting on you to do your part. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For the U.S. economy to flourish, free enterprise needs to be rewarded. Competition and capitalism need to be encouraged. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find alerts and strategies for strengthening our economy and standing against socialism. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. The biggest thing we can do, we can do. Yeah, there's lots of things people can do. But the biggest thing I can tell you that works and is effective is to strengthen the backs, strengthen the spines of the Republicans in office. You're seeing it today. I just noticed that uh, Kevin McCarthy, the leader in the House, the Republican leader, he tweeted something. Tom Cotton tweeted something. They're starting to feel what Eric Tw- Trump said. Eric Trump said, if you don't um, step up... How was the phrase? Eric Trump said this. Where is the GOP? Our voters will never forget. That's exactly right. That's what I said earlier today. Uh, That's what we're going to say on Friday, November 6th at 12 noon over at the Republican National Committee. Stand up now. Save the nation. Stop the steal. Join the fight. So, uh, by the way, StopTheSteal.us is a website you can go check out. There, there's events all across the country. You can call the switchboard for the Repub- for the U.S. Congress. The U.S. Congress, every, you know, every branch of the U.S. Congress, you can call the Capitol switchboard, and you can ask them, to, when you call up, it'll, it'll just be the U.S. Capitol switchboard. And you can say, I want to try to reach the my member, I'm from uh, Missouri, or I'm from California. And you can ask them to connect you to that, and you can sp- and they'll connect you. And the number you can call is 202-224-3121, 202-224-3121. Call that number. Say, hey, I'm, I'm from California. I'd like to talk to my senator. They'll usually do it for you if, the, if you know the name. Obviously, you know those names. I wouldn't bother with Democrats, by the way. I just would call Republicans. Uh, Democrats are too far gone. They bought into that system. So, But call your congressman. Call your senator. Call your governor. Get, peop- get on social media. Send an email. Get people talking. Hey, GOP, don't don't hide under your desk. Don't hide under your victory if you won your race. Lots of Republicans won their race. Right now, we need the fight, the help in the fight to save the country and save the president in this re-election. And here's the good news. I'll finish with this. He's going to win. 
he's going to win. He's a fighter, and he's got the truth on his side. And the, the truth and fighters, they succeed 99 times out of 100. So join the fight. Help succeed. Stop the steal. Thank you for listening. Thanks always to Anoa, our great technical director, Joanna, for helping book guests, and you all for listening. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back tomorrow.